Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Beate Shillette. She's the growth architect. Beate, welcome to the show. I am excited to be here, Kevin. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. You've done an astronomical amount of stuff and you're continuing to do an astronomical amount of stuff. So I'm really, really excited to have you on the show because I think you have a ton of really good experience and advice that we will get into throughout the show. But maybe before we get into all that stuff, Let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Yeah, so I'm originally from Germany, so you might even hear that tiny little accent still there in the background. Sure. And I am, you know, from Bavaria, from Munich, where we drink beer and eat pretzels, and we are very (laughs) happy because we we actually still eat carbs. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're, they're getting a bad rap uh, in the media, hey? (laughs) I know. What's up with that? (laughs) So... You, you went to university. What did you take and why? So I actually went to photography school okay, and cool. I became became a photographer. And the reason I did this because, you know, in Germany, uh, Kevin, things are very serious in case anybody okay. wonders. It is, it is totally true. So you take these aptitude tests and I did this aptitude test and it took me through like 16 pages of... Do you like being outside? Do you mind carrying things? You know, are you afraid of heights? You know, like everything. Okay. And so I'm like, you know, happily marking everything. And at the end of all of this, after 16 pages, you know what it told me I should be? Okay. What? A roofer. Okay. Interesting. And not that there's anything wrong with roofing, but that wasn't really entirely my idea of uh, getting, you know, getting my career started. So I wanted to do something a little bit more creative and so... I said to her, well, roofing is obviously not, not, not my, my, my dream job. She says, well, what do you want to be? I said, well, I want to be a jewelry designer. And she says, no, nah, you know, you can't really do that because there's so many applicants, such few jobs. And I said, well, what about a textile designer? She says, too many applicants, no jobs. I said, what about a photographer? And then she said, too many applicants, <laughs> no jobs. And I'm like, screw this. So I became a photographer anyway. Interesting. Okay, so... You become a photographer. You were a photographer for some huge brands and companies. Walk me through that journey until you actually, up until kind of what you're doing now. Yes. Yeah, so the, the the story is is really interesting. So I started working at magazines in Germany. You know, first I worked uh, at this young hip magazine, and then I worked for Elle magazine. Sure. And I found out pretty quickly that while I was a decent photographer, but I was way better at the business side of it. So I really understand the creative mind, but I love the business behind the art. So I became, you know, I became a photo editor at Elle magazine. And then I, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting and I really liked it. I was 23. I'm running the photo department of Elle magazine. Wow. Working with, working with some of the best photographers all over the world. And, you know, it's great. But I realized one thing, you know, which is really a critical component in being a successful entrepreneur is that when you are being defined by the job you do yeah. and not who you are, that is a very dangerous place to go. That's, I think, where the jerks are being made or the jackasses. Because sure. if you identifies entirely through your work, but not through your personality. Interesting. Uh, that's a problem. And people will do anything for you if you're a photo editor at Elle magazine because you hold the keys. Yeah, interesting. So, I, <laughs> so Kevin, I said, that's it. I'm not doing it. And I left everything, quit my job. Wow. Six weeks later, I'm living on a houseboat in Key West. That doesn't sound Just terrible. To, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, without the electricity and without any water, running water. So it was a very, 
uh, a very big step to normalcy, basically. And then I left and went to Los Angeles and started my career here, became a photographer rep and I, uh, a producer. And the brands that you were referring to, so I've worked with Mercedes-Benz. I worked, I produced a campaign for the ACLU. No, I worked with Levi's, with Wrangler, you know, BMW, even Fredericks of Hollywood was of my, my clients, Ocean Pacific, when, when Cameron Diaz was still a model. You know, I remember the conversation we were having where she said, yeah, she just finished this movie with this guy, you know, Jim Carrey, and that <laughs> the rest is history. So, you know, classic, classic kind of like yeah. Hollywood stuff. Sure. And uh, then I had, you know, and this is sort of a, a critical part, Kevin, when we talk about building businesses and how do we get where we are. Sure to be then I had this really horrible pit in my stomach because something wasn't going right in my business and I fired my key employee okay and it turns out that she had come up with this plan to run her own business which was my business just without me with my key vendor no oh, wow yeah horrible story and then I suddenly invoices that I had you know written were paid to them oh wow and clients are mad at me for putting them in the middle and I'm like you know you you do, dude, you, you, why, why are you paying them? Well, they said you're not paying them, which was, of course, a lie. So I'm, I sued them, and I'm in this insane lawsuit that's costing me tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. And I get into, into debt because I, I need to be right. And sure. that is another sort of key lesson because we're talking about building your future and we're talking about uh, entrepreneurship. Is, you know, sometimes you have to evaluate on if being right really is the smartest smartest approach to the problem. And so I'm in debt, but I have a good production season on the books and I have about a half a million dollars worth on the books. And then September 11th comes and I was wiped out. So, you know, I lost a half a million dollars in literally 24 hours. Everybody canceled. But in the meantime, I had this crazy idea of building up a stock photography syndication, which is when you resell existing photographs in the secondary market sure. as content. And uh, that was very promising, but I was, you know, I was pretty broke. Okay. And so the lawsuit settled. I walked away with nothing. I could have saved myself that year. And I'm going again completely into debt. Wow. And then finally, I, you know, I have this brilliant idea of building, you know, this worldwide syndication, but I'm completely running out of money. So I, I fly to Germany, drumming up some business. And my father has a stroke, but my dad didn't have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer. Oh, and so my sorry. father passed away in six weeks. Wow. That's, tr- wow. That's fast. That's all. That's terrible to go through that, right? Oh, it's yeah, horrible. Yeah, and so, yeah. you know, so, so I'm broke. I don't know how I'm going to pay for the funeral. And then when we did bury my dad, we find out, you know, while I'm at the grave, I get a phone call from my office in Los Angeles and we got a notice served. So I'm now losing the house on top of everything. So I'm out cold. You know, wow. this is it. It's done. It's over. Defining moment. I'm on my knees with my fist pointed against uh, the sky and I'm yelling at God. And I'm like, you know, if you have a plan, Ah, this would be a really, really, really good time to film me in what that is because I couldn't understand, you know, I was a good person. Don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't do any of that. You know, I did my business properly. I always paid my people before I paid myself. I did all of that good stuff. And yet here I was. And then I came back to Los Angeles ready to just let it go because, you know, that's kind of like all you can do. I mean, at least I wasn't drowning in the puddle. Kevin, I was going to be drowning in the ocean at the tune of $135,000 in debt. And then I get a letter from the White House because I had written in my desperation a letter to the President of the United States. Okay. Really primarily because my mother-in-law, Kevin, just wouldn't be quiet about it. She's like, you need to write the president. He's your president. He's your president. And so I'm like, okay, I wrote the letter. Okay, now we don't ever have to talk about this again. But what was it about? Well, you know, I was just like, you know, look, you know, you always talk about the small business being the backbone of the American economy. I did. You know, I employed people. I paid my taxes. And yet you know, September 11th comes, I'm wiped out, and there's nobody here to help me. So 
the letter put me in touch with the Small Business Administration. And when you write a letter to the President of the United States, that letter then is forwarded not to some low-level manager, that goes to the Deputy Chief Director of the SBA. So the Deputy Chief Director calls me and I have a meeting and I had written this business plan, which is really kind of a critical component of the story, is when the opportunity comes, you better be ready. Sure. (laughs) So I walk in with my business plan and three months later, they found me a bank to restructure my debt freed up my line of credit. Three months later, I'm break even. 18 months later, I'm the world's leader in celebrity at home stories. And I license into 97 countries. And that's when a Bill Gates company comes and says, can you tell us how you do it? And I said, no, if you want to know how I do it. (laughs) No, I don't blame you. I just, that's, that's bold. I, I love it. But keep going. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. I mean, it's our story. And yeah. then I said, if you want to know how I do it, what do you think I told him, Kevin? Uh, I I'm... said, buy, this, buy it, you know, make me an offer. Okay. And they said, okay. And so really? they made me and they said, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I want several million dollars for it. And they said, okay. And so suddenly, you know, 18 months from my worst moment of my life, where I lost everything to the greatest moment of my life, where I'm sitting there and watching this huge number come into my brokerage account. Um, you know, it was within 18 months. So sometimes in life, it is this close. So it always gets dark at, darkest before dawn. That's what they're referring to. That was that moment. No, that's that's quite fascinating. But what exactly was the business that you sold to them? Like, what, what did they kind of buy? So um, I was... Uh, I had the rights, the licensing rights to hundreds of thousands of images that were all specifically, uh, they were all specific to architecture, interior and celebrity homes. So these photographers worked with some of the best architects and interior designers, and they happened to do all the celebrity homes. So suddenly I get Madonna, Francis Ford Coppola, Simon Baker, Terry Hatcher, all these stories on my desk. And remember, I was a photo editor at Elle magazine. Yeah. You think I knew how to sell these things? Well, of course I did. <laughs> sure. And that's how it came full circle. Interesting. No, that's that's wild. I Well, I, I would assume like even just the White House writing back to you and, and then helping you out what, is almost unheard of, right? Like I've never heard that story before, but is it pretty common or, or how does that kind of work in your experience? Well, I'm typically not also not writing letters yeah, okay. <laughs> to the White House too often. But in this particular case, I did. And I, I have since learned okay. that there is actually a staff of oh, interesting. interns that do nothing other than take the correspondence that comes to the White House and then send it to the First Lady or, uh, you know, the staff of the President. Okay. And then they just look at these and then they make these connections and say, you need to contact the Immigration Office, you need to contact the Small Business Administration. Okay. And then these letters are being forwarded to these organizations. And when you get a letter from the White House, believe me, you do pay attention to it. Yeah, sure. Okay, so they do help. I I didn't realize that was a department there. No, that's really cool. So walk me through, you sell the company, then what do you do? So I sold the company and then I drank a bunch of riches with umbrellas on it. And <laughs> do not I blame thought you. That <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, Hopefully somewhere warm. Well, I guess you're in LA, so it's always kind of warm. I'm, but... in, a, I'm in LA, right? So yeah. I, can, I can do it like right here on the balcony. And sure. within one week, I'm like, this, this isn't for me. Okay. So I started writing, writing my book. Okay. And, and what's the book uh, called? You know, and I came up with this idea of, of founding the Women's Code, which okay. is, you know, really a leadership program, leadership training program specifically for women or those who want to support women. Sure. And so I wrote the book. I published the book. It became a, an Amazon bestseller. Wow. Congrats. And That's it, huge. Thank you. And, and you know, just, just did sort of all these 
all these things and then started working with as a as a consultant for creatives but you know at that point unfortunately the entire creative industry just completely imploded and content became you know became something that just wasn't valuable anymore it was because everybody was creating content and sure. so you know it was pennies to what we used to you know get a thousand dollars for now we got maybe five dollars for so it just wasn't worth it anymore and that's when i rebranded and rechanged my you know changed my whole business again that was about a year and a half ago and i said okay i gotta get serious about this training business because you know also the leadership of this country um being so misogynistic and so anti-women and this like you know last stand middle-aged angry white guy trying to rule the world so it created a phenomenal opportunity for what i'm trying to do which is to really work with women leaders and help you know, help leaders who want to be balanced and equal and diverse and inclusive uh, to, you know, to take on leadership positions. And that's how I arrived here today. And now what I do today is I, I'm working with a, a phenomenal, very incredible ad- advertising agency by the name of Tracy Locke. And their goal is to be the first advertising agency to be at 50-50, 50% men, yeah. 50% women, all across, diverse, equal, inclusive. And we just uh, been kicking off the announcement, and then I'll be training everybody in the entire company, possibly even wow. global, to really achieve this goal of being that company that everybody wants to work for because they are the company we aspire to be. Very cool. No, that's that's amazing. And and that's a huge task. It's sad that that's even an issue, right? Like I get, well, it's many issues, but the fact that it's been such a male, well, white male dominated kind of North America or world as a white male, I feel like I can kind of mock that a bit, right? I, I, it's it's kind of always fascinated to me how it's such a big issue and it hasn't changed faster, right? So I applaud you heavily for what you are doing and and continue to do. I think it's really great. Thank you, Kevin. And I think that you you really said something that I I think is very very important to point out. Okay. Because. You said that this really is something that's important to you because that's kind of how you grew up, right? That's how you grew up. That's what everybody said. And then you... And then you go into business and you see the discrepancy and you go, what the heck happened? How is this even possible? How can we... How can we all feel it's the right thing and how can we all have, you know, woman friends and sisters and mothers and aunts and, you know, people we really care about. Or daughters, and then right? Suddenly, right, and daughters and the women struggle and the, and the men soar. How is that possible? Yeah. And that's the question that I am um, trying to answer. No, I, yeah, it's interesting. Like the, the, one of the big things that I love about doing the show is just having people on the show from different backgrounds and different parts of the world. And so I can learn and the audience can learn about different people and backgrounds, right? Like I think it's the most fascinating thing about doing the show. And, and the, the thing that I find wild about it is if you don't, in, if you don't think about the other half of the population as a male or even as a female, if you don't think about the, you're losing out on almost half of the population. And then I know it gets more complicated and it's a huge issue, but I just never understood why you would alienate half the population or certain minorities or whatever. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why don't we figure out how to make everybody included and, you know, motivated and help each other out? It just trying to set each other back just doesn't make any sense to me. I've never understood that. And I love having people from this part of the world or that part of the world or parts of the world that people are really hating on lately. Like I've had some really great guests from those parts of the world. I, it never really made any sense to me. And, and obviously it makes no sense to you and you're, you're making a huge effort to change that. And that was one of the main reasons I really wanted to have you on the show, to be 100% honest with you. Thank you. Well, I give, I'm going to give you one example that maybe sure. puts it in perspective sure. for everybody. So we believe, you know, sometimes, um, and I get a lot of, 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 of hate 
mail and really? even a death threat. Yeah, even wow. death threats. Um, because I speak out about inequality. And so I, I give one example. So when airbags were first designed, airbags were designed by the best, most qualified engineers. Sure. And yet, when they first launched, they killed women and beheaded children. Right. Yeah, I remember so that. Yeah. How many women were on that team, do you think? Probably zero. Yeah, because one woman on that team would have said what? Yeah. I'm not 5'11", and I'm not 180 pounds. So it's not that the engineers did a bad job, but well, it, it, cost billions, it, it cost billions of dollars in damages, recalls, sure. and uh, it cost lives. Yeah. So it's not that, it's a, that, you, that your viewpoint is wrong. It is that you're missing a viewpoint that could yeah, make the difference. Sure. That's, that's why it matters. Yeah, no, uh, totally. Well, and just even hearing different perspectives on different things, right? Like I I've used this example before, but even as something as simple as the colors like red, white, and blue in North America, everybody's like, well, that's the colors of the American flag. But in other parts of the world, people would be like, that's the colors of France. And I'm not saying one's better or worse. Than that's a very, very simple example of something that three colors mean totally different things in different parts of the world. Sure, you might get to America or you might get to France shortly, but I think the first thing that comes to mind, depending on uh, a part of the world, is, is going to be one of those countries, right? Absolutely. And you, you said, uh, I, I like that example actually a lot. I might, I might use it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I didn't come up with it, to be honest with you. But yeah, I can't remember. Actually, I have to credit that with, I had a design teacher, um, at UCLA years and years ago and he came up with that example and I thought wow that's like how do you argue with that like it's so simple right but yeah so I love it it was him that took I should give him credit for that <laughs> and that is and that and that really at the end of the day I believe is what's happening right now and so the numbers are showing and you know we talk about building businesses building sure. you know futures so if you think about that the Assumption is that 40% of businesses will be obsolete in the next five years because they fail to address the shift that sure. we're seeing and the desire for people to be connected and to have relationship-based uh, interactions. Sure. Because, you know, the selling, 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 selling thing is not working right now. And millennials, they smell it like a rat. Yeah, fair. They want experiences. They want you to be real. I mean, I'm not going to say the word authenticity because I think we're all sick of it by now, but <laughs> sure. they want to know who you are before they believe you. Yeah. No, not that's because fair. you said so. Mm -hmm. So I want to step back a little bit because I want to cover the book. You, you talked about a little bit, but I really want to dive a bit deeper into it. What exactly is the book about? And who is it exactly for? I, I know it's called The Women's Code, but like, what exactly is the book about and what exactly is it called? So the book is called Happy Woman, Happy World. Yeah. And I wrote a book that I wanted to give to women and men who like to figure out what the heck is the playbook of the other team. Sure. To really make it clear there are two issues that women are facing, okay. I mean, we're facing a lot of issues, but they're sure. two really big issues. Number okay. one, it is women not supporting other women, which has been a mystery to everybody I know. And people go like, well, women are really mean to each other. And we see it from middle school to, you know, throughout our lives, uh, women undermine each other. And they for some reason, they say they're supportive and they say they want others to succeed, but their actions really aren't entirely reflecting what they just said. So I wanted to get that clear where that comes from, why that is, and what we can do as women to really support other women and men who are part of this culture where there are women that are going at each other and backstabbing each other on their teams. Like what can, what can be done to create a better culture so you get that toxicity out of the teams. Okay. The second part about the book is I wanted to give women a little bit of a peace of mind of 
how can you do it all? Because, you know, I mean, I'm an immigrant, I'm a single mom. Sure. I, you know, I had adversity yeah. galore. And yet I was able to come out on the other side. So what did I learn that I could give as a message to everybody who's going to come after me? Because women, you know, we're not outsourcing having babies. Women are having children. Yeah. And this seems to be the great mystery of America or North America. I know mean, Canada is a little bit better. But suddenly it's like, oh, my God, she's having a baby. What, did we just figure out that women are having babies now? I mean, is this not something that we know? Because if we would know that women are having children and we want our Social Security or pension to be paid, we would make sure that these women have babies because that is my future that this woman is insuring. So why are we punishing her for something that I want from her later on? You know I mean? That just doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Well, the the thing – I have two kids – uh, just so for some context, and I, I'm Canadian, and so basically it's mandatory you get 12 months and you can extend it to 18 months. It's the same. The government pays you the same amount of money. It's just either spread out over 12 months or the 18 months. And I, I hate to say it, but it is crazy to me that a lot of American company get, give only maybe a couple of weeks, right? Four. Or Four, four, four to six. Yeah, or, or I've even heard companies give less than that. That just seems crazy to me because as a father, not even a, like from a male's perspective, not and my body didn't change obviously and I obviously didn't have a kid, but like three months before and after having both kids, I was out of it and kind of not really all there all the time because you're not sleeping well. And so I had a rough time and I can't even imagine, obviously my wife told me and I I have some sort of comprehension, but I will never truly understand what she went through because obviously I didn't go through it, right? But I was there with her. So the fact that females only get weeks is crazy to me. Right. Well, then it gets worse because then they get punished because then they get... Um, they get docked, yeah. they get put into um, into lower paid positions or yeah. moved. There's a study that came out which said that women, that if you take a break, a parenting break for 18 months as a woman or as a man, you are eight times less likely to get an interview versus somebody who's been unemployed for 18 months. Wow. It, wow. That's shocking to me. That is cruel wow because it says that when you do the most able and most wonderful thing in the world and the most natural thing in the world which is to ensure our future you get just penalized wow that's why that's why men i don't think speak up uh, as much because they understand that this is the way it is and uh, if one person sacrifices the world then most of the time it's the woman and so you know really going back and tying this back to the book so that was one of the things that really really bothered me so i wanted to give women the the guide on how do you survive that and how do you how do you hunker down what do you okay. po- uh, focus on what do you how do you make these priorities and how do you not get angry. And now I'm writing my second book. And in my second book, I'm actually doing, um, addressing this from a leadership perspective. And I'm making a business case about why this needs to change. Because, you know, now I'm doing the training. And now I'm doing the book and I'm working with a very respected uh, strategist. So, you know, we're, we're going all in on this one, because I do think it really matters. And, and for the men, you know, who are listening to your show, Kevin, sure. I do think that the emphasis really is on not so much that this is just about women, 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 but this is about, you know, when we change the interactions at every intersection of our personal and our professional lives, okay. we have a better, a better time with each other because it's a fragile planet. It's a fragile life. And we may as well maximize every moment. I mean, it's about the it's about the future, creating the future, but it's about living here today. So why not really make 
that living here today more enjoyable instead sure. of just running after the goal and then, you know, having 20 years of misery? Why not having good years to get there? That's really the goal to say, well, men should also be able to take time off. Men also want to have relationships with their children. And I loved yeah. how passionate you were, Kevin, when you were talking about that. I'm going like, there you go. That's it. That's what we look for because you want that. You want the relationships with your kids too. Yeah, yeah totally. hundred percent. I, yeah. So I, I am curious though, to get your thoughts on this because it's been something that I've struggled with before. And I think it's a good example of what we're talking about. It's just a different scenario and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'll give you an example. So I used to freelance for a guy who was a lot older. He was in his late 50s um, at the time, and I was in my early 30s. I'm 35 now. And he was very much that stereotypical old white male, and he hated people with tattoos or, like, guys with tattoos or or piercings, even, like, their ears pierced. I'm not talking about, um, you know... Just just normal things, right, that I, I think are totally acceptable and I'm fine with. And I was always thinking about getting like a full tattooed sleeve done. I never did it because I can never pick exactly what I want. But just for some context. Yeah. So if I would have gotten that done, I would have literally every time I would meet him in person would have had to cover up the tattoos because he would potentially not work with me. And we were friends we hung out like I went to Hawaii with him and stayed at his place. Um, we were friends, right? Like I went to his kids' birthday parties, and and something like um, me getting a whole tattoo sleeve probably would have ended our our working business relationship. And I know it's different than the the women's struggles what we're talking about. But the point I'm trying to get at is how do you deal with those types of situations where you don't agree with the other person's viewpoint and you know that they're wrong, but if you want to keep working with that person, and sometimes you have to work with that person because you need to pay your bills. In that case, I didn't necessarily need to work with him to pay my bills, and I ended up stopped working with him because of a handful of things, and that was one of the reasons. But how do you kind of work with that, right? Because I think that's the only thing that I can give a good example of that I think is, is, is related to kind of what we're talking about. I don't think it's the same level of um, stupidity, because, but that's something I think that I've experienced personally that I think is the most closely related to struggles that, say, women go through as a white male. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Yes, exactly. So, so what you're describing is bias. Yeah, it is. It is a conscious, unconscious bias. So, what happens in something like this typically is that you know, it, 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 probably a genera- generational, you know, uh, issue here, where the where the guy says, well, you know, they don't make him like that anymore. And now, you know, these guys are like all this and that and that. It looks dirty, or you know, whatever, yeah, whatever bias yeah. he may have. Uh, uh, to that, or, you know, he may have associations with tattoos back from, you know, when there were really only prison tattoos and only the bad gay guys got the tattoos and he just, you know, had this, the spies against it. So the, the, in, in the women's code, there's three components to okay. it, you know, and, and the women's code is part of my growth architecture because I believe you cannot run a business or you cannot have a professional career unless you've figured out leadership okay. and leadership in, in my system is called the women's code. Okay. So, so you want to look at on whether or not you are a leader or you're not, okay. because if you are a leader, then you would know that a true leader knows that we know shit. We know nothing. Sure. We, we, we only know a fraction of the knowledge that's available out there. Right. So as a leader, I need to find people that are better at stuff than I am 
and I better be finding a lot of people that are a lot better at something than I am. That's a true leader. Okay. A bad leader is somebody who says, I know how it goes. Sure. Uh, I'm going to tell you how it works, and and uh, it's going to be done my way because it's always been done that way. It's worked for 10 years. We're not changing right now. That's not a leader. You know, right. that's, a, that's a dictator. Okay. So while you might have to work for somebody who is not truly a leader because you do have to get your bills paid. But ultimately I don't think that that really works because it's not going to resonate with who we are because we want to be seen. We, our uh, contributions want to be acknowledged. And when I stepped into leadership and that was after I sold my business to this Bill Gates company and they had then invited me to participate, you know, I became the uh, senior director for global entertainment and I am, you know, now running eight offices all over the world. And I realized that in order for me to be a really good leader, that I needed to learn what other people brought to the table that was better than what I had uh, or what I knew. And and it's so easy to say, well, they hired me because I'm so good and therefore everything I say and I want to do is brilliant. But it's really not. They hire you because they think you can lead a team of really highly qualified people. And when I learned how qualified and intelligent these people were and how much more they knew than I did in certain instances, that's when I really had my come to Jesus moment. And I said, I need to change. Interesting. No, that's it's quite it's quite fascinating. So I'm curious, though, to transition. You're known as the growth architect. What exactly is that and how does that tie into the book, the training that you do? Where do you kind of start with people? Because I think part of the problem with a lot of the people that are passionate about maybe doing their own thing or or trying to get promoted or, or chase a hobby or a passion, they just really have no idea where to even start or begin. Yes, absolutely. Because you know, it's it's a tempting it's a tempting world out there, and so many yeah. so many possible things to do. Yeah. So so growth architecture, or you know, being known as the growth architect, I developed something. It's called the five star success blueprint. Okay. And as I was consulting and training, I saw that there is a cadence to the different steps that need to be taken to be successful and okay. on whether that's personally or whether that's in, in with your own thing, it's always the same thing. You've got to figure out what the talent is and turn that into a business. You've got to figure out how to sell it. You have to then figure out on how to uh, build your authority platform. Then you need to step into your leadership position and then you need to put, you know, put the growth on steroids. So those are really the five steps of, uh, growth architecture, the five, you know, star success blueprint. And it's always the same. And then what I learned is that every business, every company, every team, every idea also falls into a particular system. Okay. And, you know, and it might sound a little bit different or it might have different components to it and somebody, but, but it, Essentially, there's a cadence to everything we build. Every career has a cadence. Every process has a cadence. There's always, here's where we start, this is where we go next, this is where we go next, and then you end up there. And that's when you do this because you, you know, put it together. And now in this business, which is, you know, I don't even know my how many business this is, but I, you know, I'm going to build to sell it again because that's, what just, I do. Sure. So I, I built the found I built the foundation. I took a lot of time to look at the market and the developments. I positioned it in a particular type of different ways until I figured out what that talent, you know, was best used as a business. Okay. And now I'm in my sweet spot at the right time with the right product, you know, in a moment in history where it really matters. And that's then when you put it on steroids because you've got, you know, you, you have it built. So where do you start? You start by really, really going inside first. I mean, okay. that's where everything starts. What do you want? The number one question everybody needs to ask themselves is, 
what do I want? And 90% of everybody I meet cannot answer that question. So if you don't know what you want, how are you going to get it? Sure. Interesting. Impossible. So do you want family? Is that the most important? Do you want to get to six figures? Is that going to be enough? Do you want to be part of a team that changes the world by, you know, coming up with advertising agencies? Do you want to be the boss of something that's groundbreaking? You want to maximize something? So, you know, first it starts with a want, and then you need to look at your talents and say, what am I really good at? Not what I, my mom told me I'm good at, which is everything, (laughs) but what am I really good at? Sure. What's so easy for me that it's ridiculous that people will pay me for that? Okay. Interesting. So walk me through a bit more of that. Somebody comes to you and you figure that out, then, then kind of what do you do with them? Yeah, so, so people come to me usually once they sort of have an idea what that thing is. Okay. So my specialty is not to kind of shake the tree and see what falls out and then come up with, you know, the direction they want to go. And when they come to me, they i give you an example. So okay. I have um, this client, this wonderful woman, who is uh, spe- uh, specialized in medical aesthetics. So okay. she takes uh, doctors that are building med spas to seven-figure med spa businesses. Okay. And so she says, well, I want to go out on my own. I want to build up my own business. How do I do that? So I built with her her system. Okay. So we, you know, we, we now spend probably about four full days together. Wow. So she's all, she's, she's all in. So in the first day we identified what that business is called and what the different components of the system is. So in her system, it is, well, the first thing that these companies want is to increase sales. So the first module of her system is the sales component. So we designed that. Then we designed what's the second component. Well, that's marketing because that's, you know, how it has to go out. So we designed like three components of her, of her system. And because it's a med spa, we call them destinations. So it's destination sales, it's destination marketing. And so then we dove into what is our number one money-making opportunity, the fastest way to the cash. Hands down, we know what they want. We know they want to increase their sales because they want to get to six and seven figures in their med spa. So the first product we're launching is the sales product. So then we sat down in the second day and we identified how are we selling this? Are we selling this in workshops? Are we selling this in an online course? You know, she's a, a newly divorced, um, now single mom of okay. a four-year-old. And so we had to factor in, you know, what she can do travel-wise. So sure. she's not really wanting to go to places. That means we do workshops where people have to travel to Los Angeles. So we design uh, okay. it so it fits her, you know, gotcha. based on what she wants. And... So we're designing the different elements and how we're selling it. So she can do, you know, phone consultations. She can do Zoom, anything that doesn't get her on the road too much. If she goes on the road, they have to pay her big bucks. So now we have the high end, the middle and the low end product. Then we sat down and we designed the whole training. Okay. The whole training in one day. We put the whole thing together. Very cool. And, And now three months later, she uh, uh, she's ready to launch, and in March we are doing our first workshop. Very cool. No, that's awesome. I I love that. So you do your own kind of workshops and training. Do you want to talk about some of those and and what exactly you cover in those? Yes. So I work with you know people, preferably really one on one. That's okay. I think my strength because I I do like the the system building. Okay. So, you know, the money doesn't come in you giving all your information to somebody all at once. You will make the money by developing a system and then selling the individual components of it. And that way you give them a little bit here, then they have a success, then they buy the next thing, they're uh, successful, okay. they buy the next thing, they're That's successful. Really good advice, actually. Uh, most people try to give everybody everything because they have all the knowledge of 20 years and then you just try to shove it into the mouth of your clients and then they're overwhelmed and then never speak to you again. Give them smaller pieces. 
but it needs to be a cohesive system. So if you tell them up front, you give them one or five things now, they already know there's four things. So you're seeding your future success. Uh-huh. It's very, it's a very cool way to do it. And so I start with an uncovery session. So I'm going to put this offer out there. So if anybody is listening who is interested in this, okay. how this works, you know, just go to uncoverysession.com and fill it out. Uh, you, you're, you're invited. I do about six, uh, seven free uncovery sessions a month, you know, just time permitting. Sure. And um, then in 45 minutes, I can take you through what you need to do to um, to kind of like get started. So I, I, I built this whole system around around this. So I do... Uh, have an online course which is called Turn Your Talent into a Business, where I, you know, which I do once a year, where I, you know, take everybody who, um, you know, doesn't want or can't afford or doesn't want to put quite the investment into doing the one-on-one and learn the system. But you know, it's a more self-guided uh, type of uh, online course, and then we'll do life coaching with it. Uh, that's available. And then I do a sales training, which is phenomenal. I mean, my sales training is called, uh, you know, turning passion into profits. And uh, I had a client who finished the training, and the next day they had a client meeting, and wow. they closed it at a hundred thousand dollars. That's awesome! <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, like you can't complain with that, right? No, 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 no. They can They can't complain with that. So I also do that one time a year. And, you know, and, and, and so I really love working with people who are super committed and who want to make an impact. You know, I'm not looking for the big internet marketing gig of teaching 50,000 people everything and then having 50,000 competitors to what I do. I look for those people that want to, that want to really be successful, but not have everybody else sound exactly like them. Sure. No, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's that's really cool. So, I, I'm curious though to dive a little bit deeper into what advice do you give people that are struggling to maybe figure it out, or they figured it out and actually making the leap to do that? Because I think that's the scariest kind of transition, right? Yes, it is. It's called the oh shit moment. Um, (laughs) And then (laughs) I like that. (laughs) There's actually three different. uh, The first thing I would say, you need to remember three, you know, what the three steps are. The first is the breakdown. The second is the breakthrough. And the third is the breakout. Okay. So if you've been doing something a certain way forever and ever and ever and ever, and you're not getting the results or you're not happy, there has to be a breakdown, a complete breakdown of the system because the system is not working. So don't try to hold it together and take super glue and somehow, you know, take something that's really not working and fix it. Let it completely break down. It's painful. It hurts. But unless you have that complete breakdown, you cannot have that breakthrough because it is the pain. It's required to make the to make uh, uh, the change without if the pain is not greater. If, if, the, if the, the pain has to be greater than the fear of changing, I'm going to say that one more time. The pain of staying where you are has to be greater than your fear of change. That's the only way it will work. So you have to have the complete breakdown first. Uh, that's where you cry. That's where you're angry. That's where you can't believe it's happening to you. You're a good person. You deserve it. You deserve so much better, and yet it's not happening. Let it fall apart because within that pressure you know like what do they say the pressure creates the diamond out of coal sure yeah that's where your potential of being that diamond is being um being tested and then once you have that breakthrough that's when the breakout happens because that's the clarity when you leave all that other clutter clutter behind so that's number one you got to remember breakdown breakthrough breakout this it's, it's, it's it can't be changed it's always the same so when my clients come and they call me and they're crying on the phone i said great it's been achieved. <laughs> break, uh, break, breakdown, breakdown's happening. Congratulations. Sure. Like, what do you yeah, mean? You're on step start. one. Yeah, interesting. You're on step one. I said, you're right there. And 
The second uh, thing is just don't bullshit yourself. Okay. Be honest and aware. There are things you really do not know how to do. You have to do things because you can't afford to do them. Just learn enough of it so you can then as quickly as possible hire somebody to do it for you and know if they're doing a good or a bad job. But, you know, you got to start getting rid of stuff that is time-consuming as quickly as possible. Do not try to design your own website. Sure. Do not try to do your own website copy unless you are a writer. Do not give it to your mother to proofread. Find professionals who do it. Right now, there are so many more opportunities to get people that work for very little money that are very good through uh, things like Upwork, uh, where you can, you know, I have like a team of literally like nine people all over the world, and it's costing me less than $100,000 a year to work. You have like nine people that I work with. That's amazing. Actually, that's really good advice. Yeah, that's how you build your teams until you can get that office and until you can, you know, uh, do it the way you want to with full-time employees and payroll and stuff like that, which, you know, and once you get to a million dollars in revenue and above and you want to get to two to five million, you can't really do it with an outsourced team as well. You do need to, you know, then build more of a brick and mortar kind of thing. But to get to that million, you're going to be pretty good with, with an outsourced type of team. And that's what I would tell you uh, is, is clarity and learn, 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 you know, like absorb everything and, you know, make investments in, into yourself and your future. Look at the consultants, coaches and trainers out there. Um, I probably would stay a little bit away from some of the, people that do the same thing again and again and again, and they just like whitewash it every two years with a different name, but it's the same system right? because they create a lot of people that using that system. That means there's going to be 50,000 people that are doing the exact same thing out there. Yeah, go for, go for people that are not yet that popular because you're going to get more content and more attention. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good advice, but we're coming to the end of the show, so let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you and any other links you want to mention. Absolutely, yeah. So I definitely invite you to, uh, if you are in the business owner owner mode, uh, to take a free training that I have out there. It's called airtightavatar.com. And everybody can go. It's free. It's about 45 minutes, and I'm going to teach you exactly you know, how my system works and how to get started with finding really good clients, sort of what goes into, into identifying your target client. So that's what I would recommend for everybody. For those of you who have a business that, you know, really want to put it on steroids, I encourage you to check out the Uncovery Session. Again, that's on uncoverysession.com. My website is beatechalette.com. And I'm sure, you know, you have my Spanish. It's just my first name, my last name name.com. I, you know, have a YouTube channel and I, you know, but all the links you can find on my website and my books called Happy Woman, Happy World. And it's exclusively available on Amazon as an audiobook, as a printed book and as an ebook. Very cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time of your day to be on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Kevin, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future.